You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. have your Bibles tonight, I want you to hold them up. We're going to begin to make confessions again um, before uh, each teaching. I really feel convicted that this is something that we need to do. So if you have your Bibles, you can repeat after me, this is my Bible. It is the incorruptible Word of God. It is the Word of a God who cannot lie. He cannot lie. His word is truth. It's already settled in heaven. It's powerful and active. My God means what he says. I confess tonight that his word will penetrate my life. It will not return void. It will prosper in me. It will transform my life. I have ears that want to hear and a heart that is receptive. I will be attentive to his word and listen for his voice. I give him permission to change my life and radically transform my entire being. You're speaking that into existence and we're gonna believe it's gonna happen tonight. Thank you for your homework. For those of you that didn't do your homework, it's not too late, you can still send it. Um, But I give you my word that our team will be praying over these and standing with you. Um, Leslie and I will pray over them and stand with you. For those of you that were not here last week, I I gave an assignment, which I don't do often, but I asked people to find uh, a scripture, a promise of God that would uh, encourage them for for something that they're going through, something that they are facing in their life, a difficulty, uh, a situation, a circumstance that they're enduring, to find a promise of God that they can stand on and believe by faith that he will do in their life. And so we are gonna stand with them. We have some Periscope watchers uh, that even sent homework in, and so we're really uh, thrilled about that. And I promise you, we're not taking those lightly. The Packers beat St. Louis yesterday, for those of you that didn't watch it, 24 to 10. Um, But here's what happened. In our house, my husband is a pastor, and so, for the games that are on Sunday morning, we have to TiVo those games. And Dave won't let me watch them before he comes home and he doesn't get home until late Sunday afternoon and then we have dinner or lunch. And, uh, and, and so it's always late before we can get to watch the game. And so he does not want to know from anybody uh, what the score is prior to that time. And, but I would like to know. And so I got on Facebook yesterday and I checked out the score be- before we watched the game that was TiVo'd. And so I knew that the Packers won. And and that was really, really good for me because when Aaron Rodgers 
through two interceptions, I didn't panic because I knew the end of the game. And when he fumbled the ball and it was ugly, I did not panic, Dave was screaming, but I was calm and peaceful because I had some inside information and I knew the end of the game. I knew what was gonna happen. And so even uh, when St. Louis was really close and the score was like 10 to 14, I still didn't panic because I could sit there and just smile inside knowing that in the end, the Packers won. I had inside information. Do you know that this word right here is God's inside information for us? And I wonder what would happen if we lived life the way I lived that game yesterday, where where no matter what happened, no matter how disastrous it appeared, that that we knew what was going to happen in the end and we behaved accordingly. Uh, I just wonder what would happen? How much difference would it really make in our life if that's how we acted? If we faced every circumstance, every situation without panic, without, without frustration, without fear, because we knew the end of the game. We know who wins. Do you know that we win? That no matter how dark it is, no matter how painful the situation is that you're going through, no matter what you're facing in life, can I just tell you, we win in the end. The opponent has been defeated. I have some inside information for you. And so I want to continue tonight to talk to you, to pick up where we left off last week and talk to you a bit more about faith. I'm going to move on and and do some teaching, I believe, on um, spiritual warfare. But in the meantime, I just want to pick up a little bit more and talk a little bit more about the subject of faith. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We read this last week, but I want to just read it to you one more time. Hebrews, for those of you that have your Bibles, uh, is right before the, the book of James. So if you get to James, back up one, chat, one book, and, and there will be Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't want you to miss that. It's the evidence of things not seen. So often we are motivated and moved by what we see. But faith, dear one, is is the evidence of things unseen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him, for he was taken, for before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, It is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
I want you to just look. We talked a bit about this scripture last week, but I want you to look at verse 5 where it says, Enoch, please God. If, if you go back uh, to Genesis chapter 5, you will see that the scripture tells us that, that Enoch pleased God because he walked with him, that he walked with God. And, and that word walked is really interesting. It's not just a step-by-step -step walk with God because you see Amos 3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed. In other words, you can't walk with somebody unless you're in agreement with them. If Enoch walked with God, he walked in agreement with him. And do you understand that faith is walking in agreement with God? Faith is saying, I believe what you say, Lord, regardless of what I'm seeing in the natural. I wonder if we're walking with God. Are we walking in agreement with him wherever we go? Or are we agreeing with our circumstances? Are we agreeing with what's happening around us? Because you see, faith is the evidence of things not seen. So what you're seeing here in the natural, really your faith needs to override that. And you and I need to instead begin to walk in agreement with God and with his word. Remember that without faith, without faith and total trust in God's word, it's impossible to please him. And, and we need to, to get to a point in our life and in our walk with Christ that no matter how things appear in the natural, we will say to the Lord, I'm walking with you. I'm in agreement with you. I'm not going to look at what's happening here. I'm going to set my face on things above, and I'm going to come into agreement with you and your word. I want to give you an example that, that was fleshed out for me this week. I've been meditating on the, the faith scriptures, and, and one of the scriptures that, that I have been, been really uh, studying is the scripture that says uh, that that. We call things that are not as though they were. I just love that. that. That God calls things that are not as though they were. Do you just love that? And that really became real to me this week. I had my checkup for, for my skin cancer, the skin cancer that I had removed that really wasn't cancer. But I had the checkup because they still make me go back. And, and I went to see my dermatologist and she did a full body check and she noticed a mole on my chest that was really ugly. And it had changed quite a bit since the last time I had been there. And, and I'm not worried because I had already been through everything I could be through, go through. And I watched God just shine. Are you with me? And so I really am not worried anytime she sees something because I've already seen what God can do. But this one she was very, very concerned about. And, and she said, you know, Rhea, it's evolving and it's really dark and, and I need to take it off. And you have to know that my dermatologist doesn't ever cut. She, she's only cut maybe five times in my whole time that I've known her. And every single time it's come back with a positive biopsy. And, and so she only cuts when she knows that there's something to cut and, and and any other time she'll just watch it and so I've learned about her that she is very 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 cautious and 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 she will not cut unless she needs to because she doesn't want to scar and and so she's very careful and and she's not quick to the draw and and so the fact that she wanted to cut this one off and biopsy it and she said it was really really vital that we biopsy it Rhea 
it did shake me just a tiny bit because she wasn't just looking for squamous cell carcinoma, she was looking for melanoma this time. And if you know anything about melanoma, it's not good. And, and so I have been studying the face scriptures and I'm like, Lord, I'm not going there. I'm just gonna tell you that this is not gonna bother me. And, and so she, put a, she cut it out and she put a, a Band-Aid on it and, and I didn't take it off to the following day. And, and I was really quite at peace until I took the Band-Aid off and I saw what was underneath. And it was black, Kendall was a black, Kendall had to run out of the room, it was gross. And, and it was really black, like melanoma, are you with me? And so I was like, Lord, I am not receiving that in the name of Jesus. I, I'm not receiving that, I don't care what it looks like because Kendall, if, uh, am I telling the truth, if you looked at what it looked like, it was gross and it was black and it was, it was not good. And I knew when I left the dermatologist's office that it was not good. And, and so I just came home and I'd been, been meditating on these scriptures and I said, faith calls things that are not as though they were. And so I'd been saying for the last couple days, that was Thursday, they told me I wouldn't hear for seven working days. And so I'm not expecting to hear anything until probably next week sometime. And, and so I really, today, I was a little anxious over it. And I was like, Lord, I am not going to receive anxiety. I'm, that is not of you. And I'm calling things that are not as though they were. And I was coming back from lunch today in the car alone. And I said, Lord, I just thank you. I am calling this spot cancer-free in the name of Jesus. And I am calling this spot healed and whole in the name of Jesus. And, and I'm calling things that are not as though they were. And I thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't want me to have anxiety and you don't want me to fear and dread. And I thank you that I'm at peace. And I thank you, Lord God, that that report is coming back early because I am not going to sit here in terror and, and worry over this. I am coming into agreement with you. I am walking with you and what you say. And I am calling this thing cancer-free. And Leslie... Did I, am I exaggerating? My phone rings like that, and it's the doctor's office. And it's the nurse, and she said, Rhea, I just want to tell you, we have really good news for you. That spot, it's absolutely nothing. It was just a mole. You don't have anything to worry about. And, and I'm telling you, I, I said, praise the Lord to her, because I, I knew, I knew I wasn't supposed to come back for seven days. I knew I was calling things that are not as though they were. And you can call me crazy if you'd like. You can say you're way over the edge if you'd like. But I want you to look at the rest of that chapter in Hebrews 11. Who do you see there? You see Noah. Okay, let's just think about Noah. Noah, at the time when he was building the ark, do you know that it had never rained one drop on the earth at that time? They had never seen rain. And so the fact that God would say, hey, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. So could you build a big old boat in your backyard and could you just tell people that it's going to start raining and that the earth is going to flood? Can you imagine what people were saying about Noah? crazy guy, he's building a what? It's gonna what? It's gonna rain? Are you kidding me? What is he on? I mean, can you imagine what they were saying about Noah? Who else is there? Abraham is there. Abraham is way past childbearing age, if you know what I mean. Anybody with me? Do you have the picture in your mind? He can't have children anymore. He's way past that age. Are you with me? And Sarah, his wife, she's, I think, 90. She can't have children either. And God says, guess what? I'm going to give you an heir. 
you're barren, you can't have children, you've been trying all these years, now you can't have them anymore, and guess what, I'm gonna give them to you, so just believe me for that. Can you imagine what people were saying to them? Can you just imagine? And then there's Moses, Moses who grew up in Pharaoh's house and chose to leave Pharaoh's house, and he, was, and, you know, he chose to leave the comfort. What are you thinking, Moses? Leave the comfort of Pharaoh's house, and, and then to go to Pharaoh, a mean old Pharaoh, and say, guess what? Let my people go. Yeah, right, Moses, what are you thinking? Who else is in that list? Daniel in the lion's den, he closed the mouth of lions. Daniel, what are you thinking? They're mean, they're vicious, and you're trusting God to close the mouth of lions. Think about that. Joshua, Joshua's in that list. Joshua has this big old honking city, and his walls around this city, and God has told him that he's going to take it, and these walls are big. Can I just tell you, they're big and thick, and, and, and it is a massive uh, stronghold. And, and God says to Joshua, I want you to go walk around it once for, every, for six days, and then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times and blow the trumpet, and guess what? The walls are going to come down. Can you imagine Joshua saying this to people? Guess what, guys? God told me if we just walk around these walls one time every day for six days, and then we go seven times. We're going to go seven times this time, and, and you know we're just going to keep walking. That's all. We don't have any weapons. We're just going to walk. We're just just walk around the wall. Can you imagine what people were thinking about him? And so call me crazy, call me whatever you want, but you know what? I'm going to walk with the Lord. And when I call things that are not as though they were, I'm telling you, I believe it. I, I believed it when I was driving back from Panera today, and I said, Lord, I'm calling this cancer-free in the name of Jesus. I don't care what report I have, and I declared it into the atmosphere. I said, I don't care if I get a positive biopsy back. I don't walk by facts. That could be facts. They sent it out to one of the best pathologists there was. It could be a fact, but I don't walk by facts. I walk by faith. And my faith, I had already made up my mind, I had already made it clear to the atmosphere, to the enemy of my soul, that even if that report came back positive, I was not going to be moved. Because I was choosing to walk by faith and not by facts. We walk not by what we see, not by our feelings. We walk by faith. And faith is the evidence of things unseen. Faith that's seen is not faith. Can I just tell you, if you are looking at it in front of you, it's, it, if it's something that can be tangible and can really happen, can I tell you it doesn't require faith? Faith is the evidence of things unseen, unseen. So important that we learn what God's word says and we begin to walk in agreement with him and with his word. That's what this homework assignment was. It was people saying, okay, this is my natural circumstance. This is what's happening in my life. This is the, the garbage I'm up against, but this is what God's word says. These might be the facts, but this is what my faith is telling me. 
And so in order to do that, church, we have to get to a point where we really get God's word in us. You can't stand on faith if you don't know what God's word says. You can't stand on his word if you don't know what it says. We've got to get his word in us. We've got to get the knowledge of his word in us and begin to stand on it. You, you say, well, Rhea, that's a little ridiculous. Why do we need to do that? We need to do that so that we can speak it forth. Uh, you might think that that's ridiculous to say we have to speak something forth, but I want you to look at a story in John chapter 20. Turn over to John chapter 20. I, I believe, Don, we have this scripture on the screens. You can put it up. John chapter 20. This is uh, Thomas, you know, doubting Thomas. Verse 24 says, now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, this is after Jesus was dead and, and resurrected. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe, okay? So are you with me? Jesus is dead. He's been resurrected. The disciples saw him. They come back. They say to Thomas, guess what? Jesus is alive. And Thomas says, you know what? Until I can see the marks in his hands and put my, my fingers into his side, I am not going to believe. Are you with me? Now drop down to verse 26. Look at this. A week later. A week later. His disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Think about that. The doors are locked. Jesus trucks in. How did he get in? I want to know. And he says, Peace be with you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I would have peed my pants. Where'd you come from, Jesus? And he says, peace be with you. I just love that. So he says, peace be with you. Then he says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. You say, well, what's the big deal there? Jesus wasn't with the disciples and Thomas when Thomas said that a week prior. You see, he hears our words. He hears our words. I need to say that a little louder for you. He hears our words. He was not with Thomas. He wasn't with the disciples well, when Thomas said that. But you see, our words, he hears our words. Our words are important. The Bible says that, that our mouth holds the power of life and death. Our words hold the power of life and death. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. Can, can I tell you, Jesus is saying, uh, you, uh, uh, you have seen, your faith needs to see me, Thomas, but blessed are those who don't have to see and yet believe. Don't you want that kind of faith? Don't you want the kind of faith that says, no matter what is happening in my life, no matter what I'm going through, I am going to come into agreement with God's word. I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to believe. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. And that word live, it means that they conduct their life by faith, that, that, that they progress in life, that they progress forward by faith. And you and I, we need to live by faith and not by sight. We need to live believing God's promises and, and standing on them, not saying what we feel, but instead saying what God says. Turn over to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4. 
2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 13. I want to read this to you in the Amplified. Don, do we have this scripture? Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 13. We are pressured in every way, hedged in, but not crushed. Perplexed, unsure of finding a way out, but not driven to despair. Hunted down and persecuted, but not deserted to stand alone. Struck down, but never destroyed, always carrying around in the, in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown in our body. For we who live are constantly experiencing the threat of being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be evidenced in our mortal body, which is subject to death. So physical death is actively at work in us, but spiritual life is actively at work in you. This is what I want you to see. Paul was saying, look how bad our life is. Look at everything that's going in. We're hedged in. We're, we're struck down. We are, and he's talking about everything that they're going through. But now look what he says. Yet, somebody say yet. Yet, we have the same spirit of faith, a spirit of faith, as he had who wrote in scripture, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore, we also speak. You say, well, Rhea, why do we have to speak right there? I talked to you last week about how God spoke and the world came into being, the universe came into being, the power of God's word. He spoke and something happened. And when we speak his word, I promise you, something will happen. His words are powerful. And so uh, scripture says here, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Turn over to Mark chapter 11. I know I'm taking you through a lot of scripture, but I want to show this to you in the word. Mark chapter 11, verses 12 and 13. This is Jesus, and the word says that he was coming into Bethany, and he had seen uh, this fig tree, and he was hungry. Verse 13 says, and seeing afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to, said to it, look at that, Jesus said to it, let no one eat the fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now skip over uh, to Verse 20, now in the morning as they passed by, this is the disciples again the next morning, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed was withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Remember, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be ye removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. How many times did he say, says there? Three. Three in one verse. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. 
I want you to just see that Jesus said something to that fig tree. You say, well, Rhea, it was a fig tree. But, but I want you to see that they were having some communication there because the, the fig tree was communicating something to Jesus. You say, well, why do you say that, Rhea? Because look, it was full of leaves. It was green. It was lush. And, and it gave the appearance of fruit, but it had none. And it was communicating something to Jesus. It was communicating in an accurate report to Jesus. It was saying, I should have figs, I have figs. But you see, it was a misleading report. The biopsy, misleading report. The doctor's opinion, misleading report. Oh, it communicated something to me, all right, but it was misleading. It was inaccurate because I lined it up with the truth of God's word. And you see, that fig tree was communicating something to Jesus that was inaccurate. And so what did Jesus do? He said something to it. He cursed it, and look what happened. It withered away at the roots, but not right away. I want you to notice that they walked away, and the tree still looked the same. It was only when they came back the next day that they saw the evidence of what Jesus spoke over it. And you see, what happens is sometimes we get God's word in us and we want to speak and we expect it to happen like that when really he wants us to keep speaking until we see the fruition of it, until we see the effect of that word being spoken. Are you with me? If I had gotten a bad report today, I still would have continued to speak to that report. Are you following me? And sometimes we give up when we don't see a change right away, when we don't see our prodigal come home, when we don't see an addiction broken, when we don't see somebody's heart getting sensitive to the things of God, when we don't see healing come. We give up and we say, Lord, it mustn't be your will. Are you kidding me? His word is his will. If you ask anything according to his will, if you can find it in this word, you can ask it and you can believe. You're not the exception. You're not the one who he says, you know what? My word doesn't work for you. You're the exception. It's not my will to heal you. No, whosoever will. Whosoever says to this mountain, be ye removed, it'll happen. Let's look at that scripture. I can find it. We'll look at that scripture. Did we already read it? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Verse 23. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he asks. Whoever says to this mountain, what is the mountain in your life? What is the obstacle in your life? What is the big thing that seems insurmountable in your life? Can I just tell you, say something to it. Come into agreement with God's word and speak to that thing. You say, well, Rhea, why do I have to speak? I think because Jesus said it. That's why Jesus spoke and the world came into being. There must be something with us speaking. Do you see that? Speak to your mountain, whoever speaks to it. You say, well, Rhea, I don't know. Whoever, your whosoever will, if you're willing to speak to it, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Two conditions, that you speak to it and that you don't doubt. He will have whatever he asks. You say, well, Rhea, that seems like spiritual witchcraft to me. No, that is walking with God. Unless two walk together in agreement, 
Are you with me? We have to walk in agreement with him. Turn over to Proverbs 18, 21. I want to read this to you in the Amplified. Don, I think we have that one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And look at this. And those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. Ooh, you need to look at that again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. What are you speaking? What are you speaking over your children? What are you speaking over your marriage? What are you speaking over your job situation? What are you speaking in your life? Let's come into agreement with God's word. Can I promise you that if I had gotten a positive biopsy, I would not stand in front of you and say, I have cancer. I would not speak that. I would say, I'm healed in Jesus' name. Are you with me? What are we speaking? Death and life are in the power of the tongue and bear the consequences. Those who speak it will bear the consequences of their words. I believe that death and life are in the power of our tongue. I believe we have the power to speak death or to speak life. Leslie will tell you, when I'm praying for my seven children, when I'm praying for her children, one of the things that I pray constantly is that if they're dating somebody who is not from the Lord, that if that's not God's will for their life, I speak death into that relationship because the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I, I speak death into relationships that are not from God. Have I, am I exaggerating? My kids, will, they can be as serious as a heart attack about somebody and all of a sudden they'll have like a change of heart because death and life are in the power of the tongue. You say, well, Rhea, that's a little iffy. Hmm? Put me in with Noah and Abraham and Moses and I don't care. I'm going to agree with God's word. Jesus himself spoke. The Bible says that when the enemy came to tempt him, he said, it is written. If Jesus needed to use God's word to combat the enemy, how much more do you and I need to do that? Turn over to Proverbs uh, chapter 4. This is really important. I saw this this morning, and I just wanted to point it out to you. It's a fascinating scripture. I wish we had more time to just look at it. But Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Are you giving attention to his word? Are you being attentive to it? Do you have it in front of you all the time? My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't incline your ear to what everybody else is saying. Don't incline your ear to what the, the, the report is. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. You see that? My words are health to your flesh. Start speaking his word. Have you seen the experiment? I think it's on YouTube. Uh, Kendall, you know what it is. It was like a piece of bread, or it's something in two jars. And one jar they would go, and they would say hateful, rotten things over this jar every day. They would say, like, I hate you, and you're terrible. And, and then the other jar, they would say, you're beautiful, and I love you. And, and it was an experiment, and it wasn't even done by Christian people. It was done by secular, uh, the, the secular world. And what happened What was the the jar that was, I hate you and you're ugly, just withered away and turned awful, like black and gross. But the jar that they were, spoke life into and said, I love you, and it, it began to thrive. 
Now that was not even coming from a Christian uh, 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 company that did that. It was somebody secular. And they understood the power of our words and, and what they can do. Ask a child. Ask an adult who grew up within a dysfunctional home where a mother or a father spoke bad words over them or, or spoke negative things over them. How did they grow up? They grow up believing those things. Those words get embedded in them. We've got to watch what we're speaking. He says, attend to my words for their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issue of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. It's interesting that that word deceitful means to change something so that it's no longer true or accurate. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. That word perverse means contrary to the accepted or expected standards or practices. Put away a mouth that's going to speak something contrary to God's word. Put away a mouth that's not going to line up with with what God says. Put it away and start speaking the truth of what God says. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Don't turn to the right or the left and remove your foot from evil. Uh, it's so interesting to me. Flip over to Proverbs 13.3. For those of you that are here for the first time tonight, I don't often take you through all this scripture, but it's so important to me that you see these things. Uh, Proverbs 13.3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. Look at that. He who guards to watch over, to keep guard over. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But this is so good. He who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Cindy, you're going to love this. You and Gwen would like this one because that word, opens wide his lips, have destruction, is only used one other place in the scripture. In Ezekiel 16, 25, Dave said, Rhea, are you really going to say this tonight? And yes, I am. It's used to describe a woman who promiscuously spreads apart her legs to everybody who comes by talking about a harlot in, the, in Ezekiel. And what, he's, what, what the scripture is saying there, by using that word, it means that woman is unrestrained. It means uh, she's, uh, she, is, she doesn't restrict herself. And it's a picture of us being unrestrained in what's coming out of our mouth. It's a picture of us not restricting the words that are coming out of our mouth, not being careful what we say, what we confess. Look at the number of times we're told in the word of God, confess with your mouth. Scripture says that we confess under salvation. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Confess with your mouth. There's obviously power in our words. Proverbs 6, 2 says, we'll we'll be ensnared by our words. Turn over to Romans 4, 17. That's the scripture that says, we call things which do not exist as though they did. And now that you're at Romans 4, 17, flip over to Romans 10, 17. And you know this scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We've talked about this scripture numerous times. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. This is so fascinating to me. There are two words used for the word of God, logos and rhema. 
Does anybody know rhema word? Have you heard that before? Logos is just the written word. It's just the words on a page. Rhema, however, is, is a word that is alive. It, it's the aha moment. It's, it's a quickened word. It's, uh, Thayer says it's a, word, a spoken word made by a living voice. Oh, I like that one. Because what it is, is when you're reading in the morning and you're just reading Logos, all of a sudden, the words come alive to you and God speaks into your spirit and you begin to understand it like you never have before. And that rhema word goes deep within your soul. And the next time you're facing something, that word will rise up within you because it's become part of you. It's alive in you. It's quickened in you. And that word will come back to your mind and you'll be able to apply it to your circumstances. Do you see the difference? You see, some of us just read, and it's logos. And that's, that's why we say, oh, the word is boring. Some people say it reads like a storybook. Where do you get that? You're just reading logos. But you see, when you pray and you say, Lord, you say I don't need a teacher, that your Holy Spirit will come and teach me. I need rhema. I need understanding. I need a quickened word. I need you to speak, Lord. Word of God, speak to me. And when you get that rhema, faith comes by hearing and hearing the rhema. You can't have faith if you're just reading. Uh, until you get a rhema deep within your soul, this applies to my circumstance. This is a promise from God. I can stand on this and I can believe him to do what he says he'll do. But we believe a report of man over the report of God. I want to get that deep in your spirit. We believe a report of man over a report of God. This is God's report right here. Right here. God's report. By his stripes, I'm healed. That's God's report. That was enough for me. I'm not going to believe a report of man over a report of God. You say, Rhea, everybody dies. Yep. But they don't have to die of sickness. I'm sorry, you can argue with me all you want, you can bring your scripture to me, I will debate you on this one because I got it. I've seen it, Leslie, have we seen it? It works, it works. But what happens is we start believing a report of man over a report of God. Man's report says this marriage is over, it's done. God's report says a three-cord string is not easily broken. What God has put together, let no man, no man put asunder. Behold, I make all things new. Make it new, Lord. I'm going to believe your report that you can make this thing new. I'm not giving up. I don't know how I'm going to get finances for this thing, Lord. I believe you told me to do it. I believe you're calling me to it, but I don't know how I'm going to get the finances. It doesn't look good. My bank account's in the red. How, how am I going to go? I think you told me to do this. Can I tell you, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Start confessing it over your life. He, you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. You, you, you meet my needs according to your riches and glory. And just start confessing those things over your life. My children will be taught by the Lord, and great will their peace be. I don't care what you're seeing them do. Start confessing it over their life. You're addicted. Maybe your child's addicted, and you think, Rhea, I, I don't feel like we can ever get free from this. You don't understand how great this addiction is. Well, thank you, Lord, that you're my bondage breaker. Thank you that you came to set the captives free. Thank you you came to release the prisoners from darkness. Thank you that you're God, and there's absolutely nothing impossible. Thank you that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Are you seeing it? And just start coming into agreement with God. With God. 
instead of with the report of man, instead of with what you see with your eyes. We are not moved by what we see. We're moved by faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We've got to position ourselves to hear. We've got to get into that spot where the glory comes out. And First John chapter five, verse four. First John chapter five, verse four. I want to read it to you in the New Living Translation. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through what? Faith. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory. We achieve the defeat through our faith. Not through arguing with the enemy, not through, you know, trying to bully him, not through any of that. Jesus didn't do any of that. He just said, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. Sound like a broken record. It is written, it is written, it is written. Don't argue, don't panic, don't take on fear. It is written, it is written, it is written. If that's how Jesus had to fight, that's how we have to fight. The Bible says that he magnifies his word above his name. Do you know that the Bible says that in the end that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord? Do you understand the power of his name, of who he is? But he says that he exalts and magnifies his word above his name. So what happens when we begin to exalt and magnify his word? What happens? Things change. He hears from heaven. He heard Thomas and what he said. He wasn't even with them. What happens when he hears us come into agreement with him? Oh, I like it. He magnifies his word above his name. The Bible says that we will be judged for every idle word we speak. Oh, that one gets me. We'll be judged for every idle word we speak. That word idle means uh, inoperative or non-productive word. Inoperative or non-productive word. We're going to be judged for every inoperative or non-productive word that we speak. The Lord has been speaking to my heart this week about being careful what I say. I don't mean the confessions that I make. I mean, do I really need to speak right now? Is it really that important? Sometimes I'll tell you I love to talk so much that I just like to hear my voice. And, and the Lord's been convicting my heart. Rhea, are you speaking idle words? Are you speaking inoperable words? See, I believe the Bible says uh, that uh, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. I used to think that that meant don't use it as a swear word, and I still believe it does. But, but that word in vain, it means to make void of power. Oh, you didn't hear that. Don't take the, the name of the Lord in vain. Don't make it void of power. Can I just tell you, when you come up to me and you ask me for prayer, I will speak the name of Jesus over you. I won't speak my, my fine-sounding words over you. I will speak the name of Jesus over you because I will not treat his name. I won't, I won't treat, take it in vain. I will not make it void of power. When I speak the name of Jesus over something, I'm expecting it to change. I'm expecting the circumstances to change because his his name is not void of power. 
And it is not an idle word, it's not inoperable. When I speak his name, when I speak his word, it's got power back behind it. It's got the power of heaven behind it. And things will change. What if we acted like that? What if like watching my TiVo game, already knowing the score before the game was played, what if we really approach life like that? But I'm going to speak his word and I already know it's not void of power. And I already know that things are going to change and that that's going to And I'm not going to be moved by what I see playing out in front of me. No matter how disappointing it seems, no matter how awful it seems, I am not going to be moved by that because I know the end of the game and I know the power of God's word. And I'm coming into agreement with a God who cannot lie instead of facts that might lie, instead of facts that can be inaccurate. I'm coming into agreement with the truth of God's word. Now, does somebody want to do their homework that didn't do it this week? Does that make a difference for you? Because if you can find one scripture, one scripture to, to, to lay over your circumstances and say, I am not looking at those circumstances anymore. I'm staring at God's word, and I'm going to stand on it believing do you know how long Abraham had to believe before he saw the fruition of it? We will not be moved. We will not be shaken. Because we know that God will magnify his word over his name. This is not a name it and claim it. I don't have any time for that as well. I'm not telling you to ask God for a Cadillac. Hear me loud and clear. I don't believe in that garbage. I'm not talking about Cadillacs and diamond rings. I'm talking about health. I'm talking about sound minds. I'm talking about everything Christ went to the cross so you and I could have. And not living below that level of life that he died for us to have, that he secured on the cross of Calvary. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. We're going to begin to look at spiritual warfare and what that looks like, what it looks like to stand firm, what it looks like to put on the armor of God, what it looks like to take your position and not back down, what it looks like to understand it's not your neighbor you're fighting. You're not up against flesh and blood, and what does that really look like, and how do we fight that battle? But unless you get this aspect first, unless you understand that, that you are serving, that, that you, are, you are following a God who cannot, it's not that he won't, it's that he cannot lie. He can't. It's part of his character. He's truth. He can't be anything but truth. And so his word is true. We've got to get that deep within our soul. This cannot be true. This can be uh, manipulated by the enemy. This can be messed up because of choices people are making. This may or may not be true, but I'm telling you what is true, what God says, God's word. And if we can lay God's word over that situation and believe it, because faith is the evidence of things unseen. I'm not seeing it right now, Lord, but I have faith. I have total trust that you're who you say you are and that you'll do what you say you'll do.
and I'm walking with you. Enoch walked with God. God was pleased with him. I'm coming into agreement with you unless two uh, are in agreement, they can't walk together. I'm coming into agreement with your word. Clear as mud. Any questions? Any more homework? Do it. Find a scripture. If you can't find one, don't be embarrassed. Just send Leslie a letter and say, Leslie, I can't find a scripture. Here's what I'm going through. I'll fire one back at you. And we'll stand. We will stand believing that God is who he says he is. Because you know what? He's pleased with that. He's pleased when we believe that. He's pleased when we believe him. I want to please him. I want to please him. So, Father, we thank you for each person here. I thank you that you are a God who knows. You know everything they're going through. You know everything that they're facing. And, Father, I pray that you would just open up your word to them this week, that you would speak to them where they're at, Lord God, that you would uh, superimpose your truth over their situation, Father, and that they would begin to see things through your eyes. Father, I thank you that you know how the game ends, and it ends well. And, Lord God, I pray that you would just, you, you would teach us to walk in that kind of confidence, Lord, that we would not be easily moved by the things around us, that we would not fear or be shaken, Lord God, that we would have such confidence and such faith that you are indeed who you say you are. So Father, build us up in our most holy faith. Make our heart, Lord God, just a, a treasury of your word. Open our eyes, Lord God, to see your truth in every circumstance we face. Lord, we want to please you. And you say that without faith, without total trust in you, we can't please you. So Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for putting our trust in anything other than you. Forgive us for believing any report other than yours. And Father, teach us to begin to speak. I believed, therefore I spoke. Teach us, Lord, to speak your word regardless of what we're seeing in the natural. We love you, Father, and we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150 We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.